The AI Gov Reimagined podcast is brought to you by Google Cloud in collaboration with GovExec Studio 2G. The government AI revolution is here, and Google Cloud has the fast, scalable, and easy-to-use AI offerings agencies need to innovate, improve decision-making, and use data to its fullest potential. Learn more about Google Cloud's AI offerings, including AI platform, video and image analysis, speech recognition, and multi-language processing at cloud.google.com. Understanding obstacles to the COVID-19 vaccination, whether it be issues with logistics, transit, or trust in public health institutions, or something else, is key for public sector leaders looking to run effective vaccination program. This is particularly true for a state as diverse as California. To better understand these obstacles, the state is tapping into a wide array of public sector feedback that the modern digital age has made accessible. Surveys on popular government websites, data from Google search and advertising, equity index information, and call center transcripts. These are all sources of information that traditionally do not make their way into public health policymaking, but can give policymakers the edge they need to distribute resources effectively. With Google Cloud's enterprise sentiment analytics approach in partnership with Centaza, the California Office of Digital Innovation is tapping into these data sources and organized constituent sentiment in a way that could support a number of vaccine distribution stakeholders. From the Office of Emergency Services ability to plan mobile vaccination sites, to the Department of Public Health's ability to run effective social media campaigns, among others. I'm James Hansen, Group Publisher of Federal and Technology Markets at GovExec, and on today's episode of AI Gov Reimagine, we'll be speaking with two innovators at the California Office of Digital Innovation. JP Petruccioni, Deputy Director of Communication and Insights, and Jeffrey Marino, the agency's Insights Product Lead. We'll be discussing the California ODI's efforts to better understand constituent sediment with the support of Google Cloud Technologies. We'll also have the pleasure of speaking with Google Cloud's Public Sector Head of Customer Analytics, Quinn Chazen, who will delve into the ways these same cloud technologies can continue to support public health and broader constituent engagement programs in the public sector. Thank you all for joining me. Quinn, can you start by speaking to the importance of measuring vaccine sentiment? Working in public health communication for the better part of a decade, something that you run into a lot is that the communications landscape just changes so much faster than the bureaucracy has typically the ability to respond. And whether it's issues around vaccine or more legacy issues on tobacco cessation or the opioid epidemic that's also happening concurrently, one of the big challenges is understanding progress in your public health program as it's being rolled out, whether it be surveys or digital information or call center information that we'll hear about from the folks at ODI on the line. The value is really that real-time feedback source to understand are your policies being effective? Are they reaching the right people? Are you hitting your equity goals that you're searching for? Are you hitting the reach into your population? Are you even reaching the people that you think that you're reaching with your programs? And so being able to coordinate this information really, I think, gives a next level capability to our public sector stakeholders that are taking on some of the hardest challenges. And on that point, I would add that sentiment is not new. Using sentiment data is not a new concept. And I think that that's really what defines the work that we've done around the vaccine and vaccine sentiment. 
So JP, give us a little bit more insight into those efforts of ODI and OES to understand that constituent sentiment was valuable to the vaccine rollout. Any mm -hmm. examples? When we say sentiment, we're talking about people's attitudes, concerns, and needs, and the resulting actions they take or don't take, and using that data to inform, again, logistics and policymaking. So when it came to the vaccine work that we did, we began developing what we think of as a bit of a playbook where we said, okay, how do we gather sentiment data? How do we make sure that the data that we gather is methodologically sound? How do we use both quantitative and qualitative or structured and unstructured data? How do we incorporate other data that will contextualize and enrich the sentiment data? And then how do we make that data actionable? And putting those six pieces together is what allowed us to do what we did around vaccine. So gathering data at scale over time, we use state websites to field a survey and gather an enormous amount of data continuously from early January to about, actually the survey is still ongoing. Another really significant innovation from our perspective is taking the approach to sentiment data to contextualize it. Again, sentiment data is not a new concept. States, politicians, campaigns, corporations, they are constantly asking people what they think. What do you need? What aren't you getting? What are you doing? What aren't you doing? But taking that sentiment and connecting it with either administrative data, in the case of vaccines, with vaccination rate data, as well as administrative data, in our case, the work we did to bring our sentiment data together with something called Healthy Places Index, which is an equity index indicator. In that way, we are able to actually say, okay, sentiment, it's not just about people's attitudes, it's about people's attitudes in direct relation to, in this case, vaccine distribution. Using sentiment data is not a new concept, but doing it in the ways that we've been experimenting with, with Google and Tintasa's help, I think is new. Operationalizing sentiment data so that it supports policymaking and logistics decisions is really key. And that's something that we're super excited about. Jeff, do you want to talk a little bit about the specifics of what we did when we talk about vaccine sentiment? It's worthwhile to point out that what sentiment analysis was able to do for us is create a demand indicator of sorts. So when it came to the vaccine rollout distribution, there was a attitude of sort of build it and they will come. And early on, I'm sure we all remember that everybody was really concerned with supply and we were in a supply constrained environment. And so whether or not someone was actually going to consume the vaccine or take the vaccine was sort of a second thought. Once vaccine supply was no longer an issue, all of a sudden, all eyes were on demand. And vaccination rate data, the administrative data that JP was referring to, it's a really hard indicator of what that demand is to a certain point because it shows you how many people are actually getting vaccinated. But if you think about it, it's a lagging indicator and it doesn't give you a lot of information about future decisions or choices to make when it comes to the logistics. So you know how many people are or are not already vaccinated, but of those who aren't, you have no way of knowing whether or not they plan to be unless you ask them. And so that was really the approach that we took. We actually were doing similar work when it came to the governor's non-pharmaceutical interventions way back in March of 2020, the, the so-called stay-at-home order. 
And we were working on a task force, GP and myself, with a bunch of other talented people, including the Google folks and Sentasa, to understand whether or not folks were adopting the stay-at-home order. Were they still going to bars and restaurants? We had no real-time indicator of whether or not that was the case. And so we actually tapped into some interesting data sources at the California Department of Transportation to gauge that. But we also realized if we want to know, especially in this rapidly changing day-to-day environment where case rates are getting reported on a daily basis, and with the governor asking, is this policy having a direct impact on whether or not there's spread in certain communities, we had to start asking folks. And so that's really where our sentiment analytics project began. Quinn, before we get into the weeds, I'd like to turn back to you and better understand Google Cloud's role in this and how cloud in general helped the state of California and can help agencies in general forecast and analyze that distribution. As it relates to the vaccine sentiment side or just sentiment analytics more broadly, Google Cloud, I think, fits here really, really well. And doing products like this is definitely one of the reasons I moved to this team in the first place, because if you take a step back, the media signals, the survey signals that JP and Jeff have been speaking about, they're coming thick and fast, tens of thousands of them. There's billions of users in every couple months on California's larger web ecosystem. There's terabytes of information coming to the door from paid media campaigns and otherwise and logistics and EHR systems. And so we're dealing with semi-structured data, fully structured data, totally unstructured data, So Google Cloud's capabilities in pulling this together at scale seamlessly is definitely the first piece of it to provide that unified data management view from a base infrastructure perspective. But then from there, we attach that ability to connect natively in many cases to those media platforms and those sort of data sources to, I think, Google Cloud's second advantage here in our machine learning elements. And especially in this case, sentiment being derived from natural language processing. What are people talking about? How toxic is the conversation? What are the subjects that they're referencing? These things take weeks, if not months, for your traditional analysts to wade through. So automating a lot of these processes and data pipelines allows folks to unlock their larger ability to be able to dive into the data to draw more direct conclusions to take action with that information rather than spending time on data processing. And then lastly, connecting to back, I think, out to those outbound mechanisms I often say the lever goes both directions. We can pull it inward to collect that information. Then as we organize it and understand sentiment and the like, we can push it the other direction. So we can use that information to use it for dynamic targeting of media, to use it to create dashboards that people can filter through dynamically and make their decisions, to share data across the enterprise in a secure and seamless way. We see Google Cloud as a mechanism for sharing data and really a a key component of what became, in this case, our product offerings around vaccine sentiment. Obviously, email is not a way to send data. And building on Google Cloud, we can create pipelines that put the data where we want it. And we create buckets, data sets, basically, that folks can build their own pipelines on top of if they need to. And they know where and how to get the most up-to-date data. One thing that I've learned in working in the public sector and then specifically with public health departments is there's a lot of really, really smart folks that we're working with. And a lot of them are working in a silo on their own machine. And so if they wanna share some information or some interesting insights that they have come up with, they need to get on the phone and let you know that, hey, I've got this 
Python notebook over here. And do you have any analysts on your team that are able to work with this so you can actually see what I'm talking about? Whereas with Google Cloud Platform and working in BigQuery, we were able to work with Sintasa. We were able to work with Duncan Shannon, who was the advertising agency in charge of the Vaccinate All 58 media campaign, or I should say running the advertising for the campaign. And then additionally, other analysts at CDPH who were working in a ArcGIS-based tool. And we were all able to have one central source of truth, A, which was really important. And then B, that central source of truth was a collection of really important different data sets. It was vaccination rates. It was the Healthy Places Index, which was absolutely core to the state understanding whether or not we were meeting our equity goals when it came to vaccine distribution. And then, of course, it was census data, which was absolutely key to understanding who we were serving and where throughout the really large state of California. And then, of course, it was the model that we built in order to estimate vaccine hesitancy all the way down to the zip code level. So all of that data was living in one place. It could be managed closely and securely. Data QA was a really important part of the entire vaccine data project. Now that you have worked on vaccines with this sentiment analytics approach, to JP and Jeffrey, how has this experience informed your thinking about future endeavors? Looking at it from different potentially crises in the future, what can other public sector agencies learn from your teams, whether it be internally within the state of California, other states, or even applied at a federal level. It's something that we're really excited about. Our theory here is that what we are doing is totally scalable and totally replicable by pretty much any jurisdiction out there. What I would say to any jurisdiction that's out there thinking about, hey, are we able to use sentiment? in a more operational way. What I would say is experiment with ways to gather data, large amounts of data at scale in a timely and even real-time way, tap into your website traffic. The other really key point, and I just keep coming back to this, is contextualize sentiment data. Sentiment data cannot exist in a vacuum. Just understanding if someone is willing or hesitant is not enough. That data then has to be connected back to administrative data and then apply equity, bring sentiment into connection with an understanding of equity and the ability to distribute resources in a fair and equitable way. One of the things that ODI is currently looking at is the emergency rental assistance program and how we might be able to use this approach to help improve an equitable allocation and distribution of those much needed funds to renters who are at risk of eviction in the state. And if you have an application-based program, there's a certain amount of inequity already built into that because there are barriers that exist, whether they're digital access barriers, broadband barriers, barriers that are built into the application itself, such as documentation requirements. And so oftentimes you'll have all of these resources as a government entity and you'll be scratching your head why you're not able to give away the billions of dollars that have been allocated to you and the residents of your state. And the reason is typically because of an access issue. There are barriers that exist to accessing those 
resources. So using this approach to sentiment analytics allows you to understand where in your state, in which communities are experiencing these issues of access, where it's not a matter of demand or really even a matter of awareness. If you think about the vaccine distribution campaign, awareness was very, very high. I mean, it was the number one thing that completely flooded the media for months and months and months. So awareness was never as much of a problem as access was. And once we started asking about the barriers to access and understanding why vaccination rates were low in, in very specific communities, then we were able to target those, increase the resources that we were putting into those communities in order to turn the numbers around. So whenever it comes to actually having to distribute resources, I think that this approach is gonna be key. It's so interesting how basic it is, but asking the folks who were trying to serve what the problem is was this incredible source of data and really helped us. It gave us a few light bulb moments as the state pivoted from an environment where the vaccine was not available to an environment where supply actually outstripped demand. What we saw is that the reason folks weren't getting vaccinated is because, and they told us this when we asked them, because they simply didn't have appropriate access to the vaccine because the vaccine was available in mass vac sites or outside of their neighborhood. And so what that information did was it gave us the ability and it gave the state the ability in the Office of Emergency Services and Department of Public Health and then local health jurisdictions, the ability to add one more data point to the work that they're already doing. In this case, it was, ah, you need better access to the vaccine. How do we do that? We have mobile clinics, we have pop-up clinics. And in that moment, we have data that shows that basically from the time that sentiment began to be used, there was a shift in the state's allocation of resources to a more mobile and pop-up focus. And of course, that was in conjunction with an enormous public outreach campaign. Do you guys have any stats when you started the engagement to all the way through the outbound communication efforts to the state and how that increased and then the follow-up i know you listed out a couple really good follow-up use cases to this capability but how much longer do you feel that this program will continue in order to ultimately get to where the state is comfortable with the overall vaccination rate the way that we set out to track the impact of this project and it's very hard to isolate the impact, right? Because there are so many factors at play and so many different teams making different and really important interventions in order to increase vaccination rates. There's also the fact that vaccination rates have naturally been increasing. So early on in the vaccine rollout, we saw that there was an equity problem. And we were able to gauge that using the Healthy Places Index. The Healthy Places Index in California is an index of, I believe it's over 50 different indicators of socioeconomic health, all put into one really useful metric. There are four tiles within HPI, with HPI one and two being the least advantaged Californians. And so what the governor wanted to do in order to ensure an equitable vaccination campaign was look at vaccination rates amongst communities within these quartiles specifically. And we saw that in HPI quartiles one and two, vaccination rates were much lower than they were in quartiles three and four. 
it was a big eye opener too, because one of the assumptions may be, well, folks in those lower HPI quartiles may be more resistant for any variety of reasons. But really, as was the case with some of the reasons why people are suffering from those negative health outcomes in the first place is they have less access to healthcare resources. And so we quickly realized it was an access issue. And then so in order to gauge impact, we looked at whether or not we were seeing an increase in the vaccination rates amongst those communities compared to the most advantaged Californians. And so in mid-April, which was when vaccine allocation absolutely peaked, there was a gap of about, I believe it was about 25, 26%. The most advantaged Californians were getting vaccinated on a weekly basis, about 25% more than those in the lower two quartiles. And then once we began with the mobile and pop-up unit campaigns, once we began utilizing vaccine sentiment at the zip code level to make some of those logistics decisions, and then once we fine-tuned our media outreach and messaging campaigns to better target folks in those communities and get out the word where they would be able to access the vaccine specifically, we did see that trend turn around. So as of late August, that trend switched and you actually see those folks within HPI quartiles one and two getting vaccinated at a higher rate than those in the upper quartiles of the HPI index. If you're a good statistician, you would say, well, the reason why that trend flipped was because there was more headroom within the least advantaged communities because they hadn't been getting vaccinated as quickly previously. So they had more opportunity to increase in vaccination rate. And while that's true, it's not necessarily a given that they would get vaccinated at all. So the fact that not only did the vaccination rate continue to increase, but at a faster rate than those in the most advantaged communities in California, I think is really a testament to how important a sentiment approach is to this kind of project. I would be curious what's next. So JP, where do you go from here? We're one focusing on some of the more immediate emergencies that California and which every state in this country is facing right now. In this case, it's housing and making sure that folks, renters and landlords are able to be reimbursed for back rent related to COVID. And then bigger picture, we're looking as we move forward to actually use the approach that we're taking to sentiment to gather sentiment data on an ongoing and longitudinal basis to bring the voices experience of Californians into policy deliberation, decision-making in an ongoing and statistically meaningful way. Quinn, as we close out and as agencies look to the future of vaccine rollout, as well as understanding and improving public health campaigns, how can cloud and emerging technologies like AI help government organizations to better understand their constituents and overcome their challenges. We mentioned opioid epidemic, tobacco cessation, DMV services, tourism, back to work, recruiting inside agencies to understand what skill sets folks need, fire recovery services, and the list just goes on and on. To me, I think the takeaway here is if you are an agency serving a constituency, 
that is in any way related to the public, there should be a drumbeat of information coming to you about how your policy is impacting those people. And if you don't have that, you should know that it's totally possible. This is an era where over 90% of adults have a smartphone, essentially, in the United States, regardless of if you live in an urban area or rural area or somewhere in between. And that provides unique capability to do personalized connections or programs that are really tailored to meet the specific needs of specific communities. And so to me, this really represents a next level public health campaign. And JP and Jeffrey and ODI and their partners at the Department of Public Health and Office of Emergency Services, you know, really showed the art of the possible here. And I just am really, really excited to spread the good word. Well, thank you. And as a Virginian, I hope we are doing the same thing. I just want to thank you all for your service to our country and how this can be applied across a lot of constituency. And that's all the time that we have today. I want to thank our listeners of the AI Gov Reimagine podcast for joining us. Be sure to check out our other episodes for more insight into how artificial intelligence can solve government's challenges today and tomorrow. The AI Gov Reimagine podcast is brought to you by Google Cloud in collaboration with GovExec Studio 2G. Learn more about how Google Cloud can help your agency reimagine AI to achieve the mission at cloud.google.com.